Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. What does joy conjure up for you? Is it something that you strive for? That's something you go, yes, this is a good thing. I need joy. Or is it something that the inner critic in you kind of just struggles a bit with and you kind of just roll your eyes and go, oh, these joyful people just, you know, get a grip on life. We are in a series right now in Philippians. Chip started us off last week and kind of gave us an intro and an overview of a dude named Saul Paul. Um, Saul became Paul. And gave us a bit of a context of Philippians. And so it's my privilege to be able to preach today, um, tonight, um, and to be preaching from Philippians. I feel just a little bit like Paul in being able to encourage her community. So Paul started the church in Philippi on his second missionary journey. And over kind of the stretch of a few years, um, he visited the Philippian church a few times. And when writing this letter, he was in prison and most likely in Rome. Let's pray before we get into it. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time together. I pray that you would just prepare our hearts and minds as we hear from your word today. Lord, take this offering that I have prepared, Lord, and may it bring you glory. May you use it to help and encourage us, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. The book of Philippians is a letter of great emotion. Paul is writing with great passion and gusto and genuine thankfulness and joy. Paul references joy or rejoice 15 times in this short letter. It is almost clear that it's bubbling out of him. And why is that? Where is this joy coming from? As Chip explained last week, it's not like Paul had an easy run. Life was not smooth sailing. And Paul is currently in prison while he's writing this letter. For the average person in today's society, kind of average Australian culture, The goal in life is pretty much to be able to enjoy life, for things to go well and things to work out in our favour, to find happiness in their own little bubble of their family, their career, their hobbies, etc. But Paul has a different take on joy and the purpose of life. We're going to start reading from chapter 3 and then we're going to jump back to chapter 1. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write this again is no trouble for me and it's a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship the Spirit of God, but worship by the Spirit of God and exult in Jesus Christ. And do not rely on human credentials, though mine are significant too. 
If one person thinks that he has good reasons to put confidence in human credentials, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I lived according to the law as a Pharisee. In my zeal for God, I persecuted the church. According to righteousness stipulated by the law, I was blameless. But these assets I have come to regard as liabilities because of Christ. More than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this, uh, for this, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, indeed, I regard them as dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not because of my own righteousness derived from the law, but because I have righteousness that comes by way of Christ's faithfulness, a righteousness from God that is in fact on Christ's faithfulness. My aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection and to share in his suffering and to be like him unto death and somehow to attain resurrection from the dead. Paul knows that having joy is important and even a safeguard. This um, chapter, the verse, verse, verse is almost a summary statement for all that he's said before leading up until this point. Rejoice. Yes, circumstances aren't great, but God is good. And I choose to remember that even though I can't see it right now. I have hope because God is good. In verse 2, Paul pivots um, to a really strong warning to the church. Beware. There are lies going around in the Christian communities that have potential to steal your joy. So don't let them take hold. Beware and be on guard. Now, the Jewish Christians have traditionally been God's chosen people right from the start of the Old Testament. When God first called them and set them apart, he made a covenant promise with them, gave them a whole bunch of laws to follow that enable them to be God's people and be in relationship with God. We're currently looking at this in life groups, so if you're not in one, it's a good time to join. There is a long history of Israel's story that has been passed down. And Paul is aware of this and he is in fact part of that story. He has impeccable Jewish heritage in his own story. And he was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, which meant that he knew the law back to front, front to back, side to side and lived it out to the nth degree. Fast forward. Uh, from this long history, Jesus, God's son, came into the world, bringing the fulfillment of the law. There is no longer need to be applied. Uh, this is no longer applied to a specific group of people, but is open to everyone. Jesus' death and resurrection. There was no need for the law of the Old Testament to be lived out. Paul is warning the church in Philippi to be on guard against these Jewish Christians who are trying to uphold the traditions of the law and lay extra expectations 
on the relatively new in the last kind of, you know, few years, Christians who were not of Jewish culture. Um, and it's as if they were saying that, ah, yes, faith in Jesus is great, but we have a lot more Christian slash Jewish heritage than you, and we think that this adds great value to us as Christians. So you're going to need to practice these things too. To which Paul says, no, no, it is through Christ, by the Holy Spirit, that we are all God's people. It is through Christ, by the Holy Spirit, that we are all God's people. It is nothing to do with us or what we can do to be in right standing with God. It is all Christ. And when we say yes to following Jesus and accepting the good news that he has died for anyone and everyone, we receive this gift of new identity as a child of God. Paul goes on in verses 4 to 6 to demonstrate his point. Anyone who thinks that they have reason to be confident in their own, what they can bring to the Christian faith, Paul says, can guarantee trump them. He outlines his achievement checklist as if Paul is saying that he's a fifth generation pastor, um, Bible scholar in his family. His parents were pastors and Bible college lecturers, fluent in both Hebrew and Greek, the Old Testament, New Testament languages. Been in, went all the way through kids' ministry, all the way through youth, been a leader um, from an early age of three different ministries. This is all before he finished high school. So he's not exaggerating when he says, I've got stuff to bring to the faith. I can work my way in. And according to human standards, he was the best of the best. I wonder how many of you can relate to this. Maybe you're like Paul, that you have leaned into the comfort of growing up in a Christian family. And there's a level of entitlement there. Or maybe you're on the other side and you feel intimidated. Um, and by people who have grown up in Christian families who know a lot more than you. And maybe you've experienced others, whether here or in other Christian contexts, placing said or unsaid expectations on you. But after an encounter with a living Jesus, Paul realised that the Christian faith is not about him and his efforts. Verse 7 to 9. Paul throws all of his reasons to be confident in himself in the bin. He wipes the slate clean as if none of it happened or is relevant. It is all about Christ. Paul has a new identity in Christ because of Christ's gift of righteousness. He is able to be in right relationship with God and be a child of God. This has nothing to do with Paul's efforts and what he can contribute, but 100% God. And it's from this identity being found in Christ that Paul has 
joy. A deep sense of joy that only comes from being secure in his identity in Christ. And Paul is warning the church in Philippi, don't believe the lies. Don't let them take hold and steal your joy of your knowing your identity in Christ. I grew up in a Christian family. I went all the way through Kidsmen, all the way through youth, went to Bible college. And it's really easy for me to fall into the trap of believing the lies that I need to. But it's not about me. It's not about how good I am or even how spiritual I am. My joy comes from knowing God, knowing my identity in Christ because of Christ's free gift of grace that I receive through faith. And this gift is open to all of us. Paul counts everything that he could contribute to faith and righteousness as garbage. Joy is not about being super spiritual. We have joy when we embrace our identity in Christ. When Christ lived in us, we are in Christ and joy dwells within us. Joy is a posture that allows us to have hope in whatever situation we're in, where God is, uh, we are in, and God is still good, and He is able to reconcile all things, and we dwell with Him because we are His children. So, when faced with challenges, it is this posture of hope looking forward in hope that allows us to have inner joy. For sure, hard times do refine that joy and that is a really helpful thing and we see that in Paul and we see that in Philippians. But joy comes from being secure in our identity in Christ. So take a deep breath. Take joy in the fact that you are a child of God. Paul's joy comes from a deep sense of knowing that he is a child of God. And it's this joy, this deep joy that Paul has from his identity in Christ that gives him joy in his purpose and mission. Right from the beginning of this letter, we see that the gospel and proclaiming the gospel is of extreme importance to Paul. Reading chapter 1 from verse 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my situation has actually turned out to advance the gospel. The whole imperial guard and everyone else knows that I'm in prison for the sake of Christ. Jumping to verse 15. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so because they know that I am placed here for the defence of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, because they think that they can cause trouble for me in my imprisonment. What is the result? In every way, whatever the pretense, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. What is the result? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, 
and in this I rejoice. Is this our response? Can we say that? Our society idolises self and self-satisfaction and it can be really easy to lose perspective that we are part of a bigger story. We can become consumed with ourselves, our own lives, our own challenges and how the world impacts me. I think COVID has definitely shown us this as well. I'm guilty of doing this. Everything in the world and society constructs tell us to be the best, to do what's best for you and for me and to find happiness in ourselves. But when we are secure in our identity in Christ, this should motivate us like Paul to see the greater perspective that we are part of a bigger story, that we are part of God's story and it's not all about us. Paul put sharing the gospel and knowing that it was being proclaimed as greater importance above anything else and above his own circumstances. His joy came from having that greater or larger perspective than his own circumstances. He was able to choose joy in the bigger story that is the gospel. Verse 18. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, but I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through prayer and, your, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My confident hope is that I will in no way be put to shame, but I have complete boldness now and always. Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or die. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean productive work for me. Yet I don't know which I prefer. I feel torn between the two because I have desire to depart and be with Christ, which is by far better. But it is more vital for your sake that I remain in the body. Paul was in prison, potentially facing martyrdom, but yet he is still able to rejoice. He is sold out for the gospel and being part, and that being of greater importance than his own life. His joy comes from Jesus being proclaimed and getting all the glory. Paul knows that it's not about him. He is secure in his identity in Christ where, and he knows where he's going and this allows him to have joy. Now, I am not minimising or discounting uh, the very real and challenging seasons in life that we face and for some of you that you face right now. I'm not saying that you have to just put on a happy face and kind of muster up joy uh, because perhaps you are in the thick of a really tough circumstance right now. Paul faced some pretty tough circumstances and he doesn't shy away or pretend that it's not hard. He acknowledges it and in verse 23, he's basically saying that he would rather die. But his joy doesn't come from his circumstances. He looks beyond himself to the greater good of the gospel being proclaimed, that it's not about him and there is freedom in that. Does your life 
reflect the joy that comes from being sold out for the gospel and proclaiming God's story. For Joshua and I, as we prepare to get married and all of the joys and the challenges and (laughs) the responsibility that comes with that, we've been really mindful of asking ourselves, what does it look like for us to live our lives that reflects the gospel above the challenges and the joys of our own circumstances, to not fall in the trap of conserving resources as society tells us to, but rather making a habit of using our time, our money, our skills, our lives for the gospel and rejoicing in that because that's what's important. We don't have it all figured out yet. It's still a process and a journey. We're still learning. So keep us accountable to that, how we're doing in living out the gospel in our lives. This joy from proclaiming the gospel isn't something that we do alone and we take on just individually. Paul's joy comes from this being the gospel being lived out and proclaimed in community. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my every prayer for you for all of you, because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. The encouragement that Paul has from knowing that he is not alone in this mission and purpose uh, of proclaiming the gospel is evident. Living with joy at the gospel doesn't all rest on you. It's not just about you. It's about us together, encouraging one another to press on, celebrating in joy with one another when the gospel is being proclaimed through others. Verse 27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or I, whether I remain absent, um, that I should hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, being contended by, contending side by side for faith in the gospel and not being intimidated in any way by your opponents. How can we encourage one another to have joy in proclaiming the gospel? What can you do to stand with someone, to cheer them on? Let's stand side by side with joyful hearts as fellow believers who are part of a bigger story of hope. I'm so genuinely encouraged to see so many of you who are seeking to live out the gospel in your lives. Uh, So let's take... So take this as an encouragement. Keep going, keep seeking to live out the gospel and the joy that comes from being secure in your identity as in Christ as a starting point for your joy and that Christ continues to work in you and perfect you until he returns, taking the motivation from that to proclaim the gospel. Let's pray. 
As I was preparing um, for this message tonight, I really felt to, uh, that there were some people here that needed to hear, um, to be reminded of your identity in Christ, to find joy in that, that maybe you have had it smothered under things, buried under, and that you need to find joy again in your identity in Christ. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. And so I invite you to just pop your hand up and we'll pray together. Yeah, thank you. Lord, we thank you that we are your children that our identity is found in you and that, Lord, when we say yes to following you, you give us righteousness. Our slate is wiped clean and that we are found in you. Lord, I thank you that you call us your own and we don't have to strive that you accept us as we are. And so, Lord, I pray for joy in that. For those of us here who need to be reminded of that again, Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy. Fill our hearts with knowing that we are your children and that is first and foremost, that you accept us and that you love us. So pour out your spirit, pour in your joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Second thing that I want to pray into is for those of us who need a perspective shift, that the gospel would be the most important thing in your life and that you would experience the joy in mission. I put myself in this category. So let's stand as a community because we're in this together, that we are together proclaiming the good news. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the gospel. We thank you so much that you have come, that Jesus came to set us free. And that is good news that you have entrusted into us to go and share. And Lord, so we stand here as your people together in community challenge us, help us to see and hold the gospel being proclaimed as the most important thing. Do what needs to be done in us, shift our hearts, shift our mindsets, that we would place the gospel as the most important and we would have courage in that. Lord, I thank you for those who are already living this out, who are being like Paul in just surrendering life. So, Lord, help us all to take that on board, to be courageous, to be bold, proclaiming the good news of Christ in our world today. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. 
We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.